Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of Generation GC. Where would we be now? From Good Morning Revival, Good Charlotte's fourth album released in 2007, and my guest today is Vanessa Ebert. My name is Molly Huddleston, once again, and as always, I'm your host, as well as the producer, creator, and editor of this show. Last time, we talked about The World is Black from The Chronicles of Life and Death. Next time, we'll be talking about a song from Cardiology. Vanessa lives in Montreal, and she discovered GC when she was around 11 years old. She's 27 now, and she's been a fan ever since. She's seen Good Charlotte nine times, most of which she's traveled for since not every tour stops in Montreal. While a lot of fans came and went over the years, nothing for her has ever matched GC. And honestly, I'm pretty sure that most of you listening can relate to that sentence. She studied journalism, hoping to become an MTV VJ worked for a music web scene for a few years, and now is a content producer for a French-Canadian culture-slash-gossip website. We get into it a little bit in our conversation, but it, it's something along the lines of People Magazine, something like that. Well, if you've been around here for a little while, if you've been following the show, subscribing to it, you may have noticed that last week, June 2nd, there was no new episode of Generation GC. Simply put, it was a holiday weekend, and I just wanted to be able to spend some time with my loved ones. I've never taken a week off from the show before. You know, I had some uh, family circumstances, personal circumstances. I moved last year and never took a week off. But, you know, it was a holiday weekend. I wanted to spend time with loved ones. Um, But I'm here now. I have a bunch of episodes recorded as well as several more planned for the future. And I can't wait for you to hear all of them. You may have noticed as well that I posted recently on Twitter that the show schedule is going to change. So, Here's the details on that. Generation GC is going to be switching to an every other week release schedule. So you'll be getting new episodes alternate Wednesdays. So when you hear a new episode, two weeks from then, you'll get the next episode. Bonus episodes are also just going to fall into those slots. I think that'll give you, my listeners, a chance to catch up on past episodes to really dive into everything that I'm doing. I know sometimes it's hard to find the time to listen every week, uh, as well as check out the early ones as you get started on the show. And honestly, it'll also give me time to make the episodes the best that they can be. To be honest, you know, I, I need to take care of myself, too. I love doing this podcast. I get so much out of it from the creative aspect, the the act of just creating and editing it and, and releasing it to the world, as well as the community from all of the people that continue to listen and, and comment and reach out and tell me how much they enjoy it. But at the same time, I know that I, you know, I need to do other things too. I need to have things that I can do to take care of myself. And I'm kind of excited to have a little more time to relax. I wanted to still keep the show on a regular schedule so you would know when to be able to expect the new episodes. So I'm hoping that every other week works out for us. But, you know, who knows? It it may change in the future, but that's what we're going with right now. And I'm going to try and be active on socials, especially Twitter and Instagram stories, even on weeks when I'm not releasing a new episode, because I do want to stay engaged with everyone. I also wanted to say that I love having guests from all around the world and from all different backgrounds on Generation GC. If English isn't your first language, that's okay. As long as you're comfortable holding a conversation in English, you're good to go. And when I say different backgrounds, that doesn't just mean location or ethnicity. 
You know, that means ensuring a varied gender and sexuality representation. It means representing fans of different ages, fans with their own unique life experiences of any sort. So if you're listening to this show, I want you to be able to listen and say, wow, I, I feel like someone on here is talking about something that I relate to. And if you don't, hey, reach out. Maybe you can come on the show sometime. I also want to continue mentioning blacklivesmatters.card.co, antisemitism.card.co, and antiasianviolenceresources.card.co. As always, those are going to be linked in the show notes. I want to encourage you all to get educated, to continue learning about everything going on in the world. Finally, Generation GC stickers are here. If you do want sticker, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can support the show on Anchor. Go to anchor.fm slash generationgcpod and click support. All of that money goes right back into helping me make the show the best that it can be. Helps me print and ship the stickers, but it also helps me do things like buy a laptop riser so it's easier to see my screen and review my notes as I'm recording. Helps me buy new headphones so that I can have better sound isolation as I'm editing. Things like that. Uh, so it really makes a difference, and everything really just goes right back into making the show. Point number two, you can make a charitable donation. This week, I'm going to ask everyone to donate to No Kid Hungry. It's amazing what a difference it can make. Uh, even a small donation, whatever you can afford to give, will help feed children who need it. So I'll link that in the show notes as well. And then what you're going to do is send me a screenshot of your support of the show on Anchor or your charitable donation, as well as your mailing address, and I will send you stickers. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at GenerationGCPod, P-O-D, or you can shoot me an email, GenerationGCPod at gmail.com. Well, that's about it for our intro, and I am so excited to be going into episode 69, Where Would We Be Now? So, Where Would We Be Now is track seven on Good Morning Revival, Good Charlotte's fourth album released in 2007. Track six is Victims of Love. Track eight is Break Apart Her Heart. And this single, this song was a single. It was released as a single in May 2008, so about 14 months after the album came out. It didn't really chart. So it was not like a successful single in terms of radio play. But I will say that like I've heard this song at the grocery store and at shopping malls. So it's gotten some some of those um, retail placements, which, you know, is a separate thing from radio, of course. Um, Also important to note is that there are two versions of this song. There is the original version. So I put it in our notes as the original version and the new version. So the original version is what was on the album when you bought the album in 2007. The new version is what came out as the single. And I didn't find anything definitive on like why they changed it. But yeah, there was there was a MySpace post where they talked about how the single was going to be like version 2.0 of the song. Um But all that was changed. And Vanessa, tell me if this is weird to you because this is so weird to me and this has bugged me for, you know, I guess 13 years now. Like, it's really not that big of a change, right? The original version, the pre-chorus. Yeah, the original version, the pre-chorus in the first verse is, so I stand and wait, I am just a man, oh. 
In the new version, they say, but that was not the plan. In the original version, the second verse pre-chorus is, so I crash and burn, I got a lot of things to learn. And in the new version, it's, so I guess I'll crash and burn. So really all that was changed was like very minor changes to lyrics and it's like a measure or two shorter. Yeah, maybe that's why they did it because in in terms of like the song, it doesn't change anything from the story or the the lyrics. And I I actually didn't know this before I read it in the the notes that you gave me. I I never heard that that version before. (laughs) I didn't even know that it did that. (laughs) It throws you off, doesn't it? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. The the one thought I had was like, if they, you know, some label person was like, oh, the song is too long to push it to radio. You need to make it like a little shorter. And with these edits, maybe it's a little shorter. I don't know. Like, I would guess they would cut out like some of the, like the piano at the beginning or something if they really wanted to make it shorter. But like lyrics, I don't know. It's not if like there's a curse word or something. So I I really don't get it. But well, (laughs) good for them. I don't know. If if I ever got to sit down and like ask the Madden twins like <laughs> all my burning questions from over the years, this would definitely be one of them. Why were the lyrics changed? Um, yeah, this song was used in a trailer to promote the TV series Nine Hundred Two One Zero, and it was also used in an episode of The Hills, season three, episode twenty eight. The episode was called "The Next Move Is Yours." And I think this was when we did an episode on Broken Hearts Parade a couple months ago, but The Hills has played, like, a lot of good Charlotte songs, like, several songs from this album. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's fitting, well, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, good for them. It's, like, if they had to pick, like, from one of their albums that would be one that would be more yes. fitting to the hills actually obviously I, absolutely because there's i feel like there's a lot in this album about like hollywood and everything so yeah yeah absolutely and, and in the teams too like in the teams of the songs so yeah it's fitting i guess definitely um Benji and Joel Madden and Billy Martin are com- credited as composers and lyricists here And this song has been played live, but setlist.fm is only showing that it's been played four times. Obviously, as we always say, we don't know for sure if that's totally accurate, but they did find a live video from when they played it in Melbourne, and Benji did it solo on acoustic guitar. What did you think of that? Well, I obviously love anytime they go acoustic. Yeah. So obviously that was that was great, but it, this song in particularly, I, I, in particular, sorry, I, I thought it was very uh, well fitting. I thought it was it was going very well, and like Benji alone, like I just thought like it sounded very good. It sounded very very good. <laughs> it sounded very good. Um, I, it was very fitting, and like I think I preferred that to if they had brought out like a keyboard on stage or something because it feels more intimate. Yeah. Um, Something I was thinking though, was that I wonder if Benji was, is the one that wrote it because I I wonder if Benji is the one that was kind of the primary lyricist 
because he was the one who was singing. And in this video, it's really sweet. He's talking about because um, he he was talking about, you know, at the time he was dating someone in Australia. And it, it was just a very sweet, uh, very sweet yeah. little moment. Oh, no, I just wanted to say, you know, when uh, when you talked about who's the main lyricist on the song, because we know that they both actually write the lyrics. But it's funny because like they ha- there has to be one that writes more than the other on certain songs and it's so funny to me because we don't know because when we read like uh, at the back of the albums we we always see like both of their names and when i know we're going to talk about this later probably but when we um we have the same tattoo (laughs) and i which is uh, a play and uh when i went to see them at a meet and greet i actually asked for like one of their end writings to get it tattooed so i just was like if anyone wants to write it, like pick, pick or choose, like which one of you wants to to write it for me? And they were like, I think it's Joel who said, like, well, w- which song is it? And I was like, oh, it's Let the Music Play. And he was like, oh, Benji should write write it for you because he's the one who wrote the song. So I was like, oh, that's cool. That's good to know. <laughs> so bonus fact. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sometimes, and it's like, like Harlow's song, I think it's, yeah, kind of clear that Joel had a big role there, um, being that Joel is Harlow's father. Um, but yeah, in a lot of cases, you don't necessarily know who who drove like the story of the song, right? Yeah. But um, last thing I want to mention about this song that was very fun um, was that this song was performed on the iCarly special "I Go to Japan" in two thousand eight. Um, and there's like a video that's a partial clip. Um, and maybe I'll have yeah. to do like some some live stream where I watch the whole thing. But the premise of the movie is that Carly, Sam, and Freddie are invited to the iWeb Awards in Tokyo, Japan, and Good Charlotte are performing as guests. Um, yeah, not not much like context on there, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I I will say like I I've learned some stuff about Dan Schneider recently who was like the creator of iCarly yeah. and Victorious and a bunch of those shows and he's like a creep. Um so as much as I've like kind of yeah, wanted to go back actually. Yeah, like as much as I've kind of wanted to go back and and watch some of those old shows and relive memories, I've been kind of like like in context it feels a little weird. But um definitely but it's, cool it's funny to see that like their their music gets played like both on shows like the hills and it goes to iCarly too so very very versatile right <laughs> absolutely absolutely spectrum. absolutely um we've got a lot to talk about um and we definitely i have like questions for you about the tattoo for sure but yeah. vanessa i want to know when did you first hear Good Charlotte and what were your first thoughts on them? Uh, I first discovered Good Charlotte. I was in uh, second, third grade around that time. Um, mm-hmm. We had, Oh, well, so you I were very young. Well. Yeah, I was. I, mm, what, what, I don't know what age you are. <laughs> second, third grade. But yeah, I was, I was pretty young. And um, I live in Montreal and I'm French-Canadian. Uh, so we have in Quebec our own, like, version of mtv which is music plus which is 
like in Toronto and Canada, they have much music. So much is plus music plus in, 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 in uh, okay. Okay. And, um, and so their videos would play all the time, but I, I got around at the time where life, I don't know which one came before the other, but around lifestyles and the anthem. And so I remember seeing the anthem first and I was like, Ooh, I, like I already started to listen to like Blink-182 and Sum 41 and Simple Plan because I, I had an older cousin who listened to that kind of stuff. So she kind of initiated me to, to that music. So, but I didn't know with Charlotte, but I wasn't like, so I wasn't like thrown off by the tattoos or the punk rocket. I already liked that stuff. And so uh, that's when, I, yeah, their, their music was just playing all the time uh back in those years so uh, that's how i i got to i was introduced to them well i was i was watching the click back then but i didn't know that they were doing the, the opening song <laughs> uh so actually if the real first time i heard them was on the click but i didn't know who who was singing the song uh so yeah let's say uh, on undergrads <laughs> yeah i well, in in french it was la click the click so yeah <laughs> oh okay okay yeah yeah but no yeah. the show the show was fun um yeah well you kind of answered my next question already which is have you ever seen good charlotte live so you mentioned that you had met them when you got your tattoo so so I but i have to ask because i always ask have you seen good charlotte live sure well uh yeah so the i saw them about oh i should have counted before like around eight or nine times like i don't have the definite like but eight or nine uh from my first show was in 2005 uh it was noise to the world tour uh july 2005 and uh yeah and i went to see them every time they they came to montreal and traveled a bit to to see them also i i would just love to hear about growing up in montreal um Simple Plan obviously is from Montreal, but Simple Plan sings in English. Although yeah. I know that that some of them like English is not their first language. Even um, I think the five of them, if I'm not mistaken, like the five of them were born to. Well, they have very like French last name, and when they speak yeah. in interviews, they they're very French. So I mm -hmm. think they they all learned like English growing up, like like I did, like at school or watching yeah. TV or listening to music. <laughs> I guess I'm curious, like, were there any bands that you listened to either like from Montreal or elsewhere in Quebec or, you know, from France or any other French speaking countries, any bands that actually sang in French that make like similar kind of pop punk or emo music? Um not that much not that i know of like i growing up i was listening to a lot of um like canadian bands more like billy talent or alexis on fire so a bit on the heavier side but from canada but from quebec we uh i don't want to say like anything because if, if it's not true like, <laughs> fellow quebecers don't throw rocks at me but i don't think there are a lot of um pop punk bands from here that sing in French just because uh, mm. like the influence is so big from Simple Plan, Blink, Charlotte, like in English. So I think 
And I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, in, in an interview with Simple Plan that I don't know which one of them, but they said somebody asked, like, why weren't you singing in French? Like, you're, you're French? And they just said, it just sounds <laughs> yeah. better in English. Like, pop punk sounds better in English. So I wouldn't be able to tell you, like, a band that kind of sounds like them in French. Uh, yeah. Because they all sing in English. Yeah. Okay. Because they're in French. I mean, I, 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 right. <laughs> Right, and you just take after that, yeah. yeah. No, that that makes sense, and you know, there's obviously, I guess, nation, you know, worldwide, it seems like there's a big market for English music. Yeah, and I don't have a band, but I would guess, like, when you start, well, if you're an amazing lyricist, like maybe, but when you start, I guess you start as like a cover band, or like you, you start probably playing yeah. like some songs from your idols or people that you look up to, or you want to sound like. So I guess if you start by playing like a lot of Blink or Green Day or no effects right. or whatever, you're just going to keep up singing and writing in English. I, I would guess but I'm, I'm definitely yeah. a musician. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that makes, that makes sense. You just like, you're used to singing in English. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I want to talk about our mutual tattoos. We yeah. both have let the music play tattooed on us. Yeah. Um, so when did you end up getting that tattoo? Um, I always, like, I got it, uh, two or three years ago. Okay. I was, uh, I was, I'm not scared of needles. I'm scared of pain. (laughs) (laughs) But all all the artists I look up to and I listen to, uh, are covered in tattoos. And I just love like how tattoos look. Um, but I, I was always too scared that it would hurt. So I was like, oh, well, I would never get one. Uh, but I always knew that if I was to get one, if I were to get one, sorry, <laughs> English 101, if I were to get one, um, it, w- it would be a good Charlotte one. And so I, I always thought about sure. it, what what would it be? And um, I was like, would I get the logo or lyrics or anything? And let the music play just kept popping on popping in my head and it's not it's not I don't hate the song but it's not one of my favorite songs um it's it was just like the whole meaning of it so I was like this is definitely like if I was to get one because my favorite song is the young and the hopeless uh but I was like I would I would look weird being like 80 that's a little dramatic for a tattoo young and yeah (laughs) so i was like let the music play would be like much more much better and just yeah so i i kind of i gravitate to towards this song and just the lyrics and the the whole feel of it and i think that this song kind of describes my relationship to good charlotte and i don't want to speak for yourself but i guess like Mm -hmm. everybody that gets this this tattoo is like kind of has this meaning behind it so uh so yeah like i said earlier i'm (laughs) I'm just blabbing but um when i went to see them on their last tour in 2018 if i'm not mistaken um the generation rx tour uh i went to a meeting group and i just yeah got my courage and was like i'm gonna ask them to to do this and so yeah benji i love that and he was actually super sweet like while he was writing it was running like a tiny piece of paper on the back of on, on Billy's back 
And I was just talking with the other guys while he was doing it. And I was like, this is kind of long. Like, this is four words. <laughs> and he just wrote it, like, in five different, like, in cursive, in, like, uh, caps lock and everything. So I was like, you get to choose. And I was like, oh, this is so sweet. So, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I I love that. And I can definitely relate to feeling like it. that song encompasses kind of everything you feel about Good Charlotte. Because that's essentially like I had run through a few different options of like what I I knew I was going to get a good Charlotte tattoo. And I kind of ran through a few different options of what it would be. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, they were on hiatus when I got my tattoo. So. Oh, no. (laughs) So I did not get them to write it out. Um, But yeah, I love that. And I I love that we have that connection. And I'm sure that there are other people who have the same tattoo. Oh, sure, sure. Like if, like I was saying, like if you have to get one, like in all their lyrics, they have like a bunch of great lyrics, but I feel like this one, like really, like you say, encompasses your your relationship with the band. So if you had to get one, I, I feel like a lot of people got this one and hold on probably. I would, yeah. I, my two guesses would be like those two. Definitely. Yeah. Well, before we dive into where would we be now, Vanessa, I just wanted to ask what made you want to study journalism? And and I would just love to hear about like some of your um, work experiences. I know you worked for like a webzine where you got to interview a bunch of bands. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I grew up watching like every kid uh, MTV, well, Music Plus for me. Yeah, yeah. Grew up watching that. And I, I just thought it was like the coolest like fr- from a very young age, it was just like, oh, you get to meet those people. That was like just the, the basic first impression was that like, you get to meet famous people that you look up to and that you like. And and then it just went to be like, I have no talent in music, like not at all. So as I grew up, it was just more of a way to like, <laughs> more of a way to... um like to understand the brains of those people who get to like give us that that music and so it it was just not about meeting them but just like really understanding like their creative process and everything and so I was just I I wanted to be an MTV VJ so that was just what I wanted to do so I just checked and like (laughs) journalism you could go like on TV papers or uh, paper or radio and so I just went through that path and just never, never stopped it. Obviously, well, I don't know in the United States. MT- I think, is MTV still go- going? Is still on air? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's because, definitely, so. Yeah. It's definitely changed, but MTV is still going, yeah. And they do okay. play music videos. Okay. Because in Quebec, well, uh, Music Plus around like their last five years was just like reruns of the hills and mm. keeping up with the Kardashians and everything. And so like the, the, the channel, like is, it's not existing anymore. Like just, they just shut it down. Uh-oh. So I never got to <laughs> realize my dream of being a, an MTV VJ, but um, yeah, so I just studied um, in that path and uh, I did, uh, at the beginning of, uh, beginning of college, I did write for a webzine that was really like music centered. Uh, it wasn't paid. It was just like you get the tickets and then you go, which is like exposure, yeah. let's say. 
but it yeah. was run it was ran by like a girl who was my age or so so it's just like people who like music just trying to get music known by everybody like it was more um it was a lot of show reviews but also like interviews and such and yeah so i did a few interviews uh obviously uh, a lot of quebec and french people that i would tell you and you would know who that is <laughs> <laughs> but i did interview um uh what was it called hell or high water which is a band that uh, there's the oh, what's it called oh the drummer from atri you oh plays, cool that, that sings and that that was my first like ever interview that's so cool was super nervous <laughs> and then i went to interview uh uh the main that's cool that was they were super nice and i did interview uh sean paul <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you go <laughs> What a, what a combo you just gave me. Two, yeah. like, scene artists and then Sean Paul. Hey, why not? He, he was in Montreal and he, he agreed to interview our, our very, very small webzine. So, yeah. obviously, like, why not? Yeah. Um, and so, but that was obviously, like, the, the webzine, like, uh, stopped after a few years because we were all freelancers. Sure. And the girl who was running it... Like for her, it was almost like a real job and she couldn't keep up. Yeah. Um, and then I got my bachelor degrees, a uh, bachelor degree in journalism. And uh, I don't know about, uh, well, United States, it's such a big country or in your town or whatever. But um, in Montreal, in Quebec, it's very hard to live from being a culture writer. If I can tell yes. you like that. Yes. It's um, th those jobs in the US, they're they're located in like New York and Los Angeles and the entry level jobs pay very low. That's it. So and there and here we're very, very small. So there are not many. So I was lucky when I uh when I started to work for real, I was doing um I was working for a website that did like more of a lifestyle stuff. So like rest like cool bars opening, cool restaurants opening, arts and stuff like that, um, and then so on and so on. And then I went to write for a very very serious uh, newspaper like about politics and economics mm. and stuff like that, just to like add things to my to my resume. Yeah. Um, and now the job that I, that I have now, I work. Uh, so we have like. Um, how does it call like gossip-ish uh, magazines? So like Us Weekly or like those type of magazines, we have those in Quebec for our stars <laughs> because we're very small, but we, we really have like our own, I don't know how we could call it, but like our really own ecosystem of, of stars. Um, and so we have like a magazine that's called which is seven days for the seven days of the week <laughs> and i work for their website okay and so i say gossip people call it and i i could agree to a certain extent even if i work there but it, like we never if i can compare with like the u.s magazines it's never like we would never like out something from someone it, it's always with the agreement of the actor or the actor is it is it like the equivalent of like People magazine? Yeah. 
more okay. people than Us Weekly, yeah. So okay, we're never, okay, like, yeah. It's not like rumors or stuff like that. It's like right, but but it's like entertainment stuff more cool. than gossip, yeah. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, well, it sounds it sounds like that. That's a, a very related thing to what you've always kind of loved, yeah. just like a slightly different offshoot. Yeah, of course, because I I know that especially now <laughs> but i know that there are not there are not a lot of jobs like in the culture writers and everything like you said so it, it would be too hard to find a job so it, it's as as uh, as close as i can get <laughs> yeah yeah there there is very very few people that i know even in the us that do you know music or entertainment journalism full time yeah, um, it's hard. We did have, I, I believe, so I had Maria Sherman on this yeah. show talking yeah. about makeshift love, and I believe she does. I, I mean, I don't, I don't like know her personally, so I, I don't, you know, know her life, but I believe. I mean, she's a very established writer. Um, she wrote a book about boy bands. Um, yeah, loved her book. I read it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, her book is so good. Um, we could like talk yeah. about her book even for hours, but I want to talk about where <laughs> sure. we would be now. Um, and I'm so yeah. happy, Vanessa, that when we connected that you mentioned this song because I've always loved this song. It definitely sticks out to me, but I would just love to know, like, why did you want to talk about where would we be now? Um, I think it's just... I think it just stands out in the album. For me, it's one of my favorites from that album. And um, I think it's also because it's such a, like everybody can relate to those lyrics, I think. So it's yeah, it's that kind of song that what, and anything you, you live, like you, you can still relate to what they're, they're singing. And just, I just love like the overall feel of the song with the piano and everything. I just love how it sounds. So that was that was why it was one of my choices. It's definitely like in an album that has a lot of like kind of weird dance and techno yeah. sort of elements. This is a, a nice, I think, change of pace. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about what the song means or or what you think it's about. Uh, well, I definitely think uh, – like I said, everybody can relate to it because it just tells the story of two people who are not like like bad. Well, you know, when we say bad timing, yeah, <laughs> you know, somebody's yeah. ready and the other person's not. So, like be, being willing to wait for another person, uh, whether they're ready or not. Or I obviously in this song, it's more like in a love relationship, but I think it, you can put those uh feelings also like in friendship relationship or like totally or anything so it's really of course this one is a, a love song but i just think these are feelings that are very universal yeah yeah i think it's i, I definitely get like a love song vibe from it yeah. um and i kind of and, and i kind of toyed with you know the idea of like oh, I, I met the right person and it just feels like it's the wrong time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and how that always just leaves you wondering, like, what if? What if, like, mm -hmm. it, specifically when they say we had found each other, like, what if we found each other first or whatever? That to me is like, yeah. okay, the timing is bad because 
we're both in separate relationships already or one person's already in a relationship and obviously you know you're not gonna like cheat on your partner hopefully um but it's definitely like I could imagine that's like a weird space to be like well I have I have this thing but then I met this other person and like yeah and also like even maybe uh you don't want to, if the other person's very happy with your new boyfriend or girlfriend and you're right. alone, well, you don't want to, like, if you really care about this person, you're not going to profess your love to them because you don't exactly. want them to. So that could be, like, something like that. Well, and, and that's, like, when he says, I'll keep my thoughts, my true thoughts locked inside my heart's black box. Like, that's it, yeah, yeah. You, you know that, like, you can't, like tell you know your friend that oh yeah i I, by the way i've always had a crush on you you know the day Uh before they get married that's a terrible thing to do (laughs) right um no terrible thing to do but right it's like so like you have to keep those thoughts inside sometimes um yeah i i guess just as like a general thing and you don't have to have like an answer but just as a general thing, I guess I'm curious, what do you think about the idea of, like, bad timing and, like, a love story situation? Like, can you meet the right person at the wrong time? Or will things work out if you're, like, truly meant to be? Oof, um, I I do think that there is such thing as bad timing whether it's because the other person's in a relationship and like you can be with them or two person two people who are single but it's just not working for them at the moment like you're not ready for some some reason you're not at this place in in your head in your heart in your life to be willing to get in this relationship so I do think that there's such thing as bad timing, but I, I kind of also am like a no plus romantic. So I would, I would hope that someday <laughs> things would will work out right. in the end. But at the same time, you know, I mean, it, it's a. I don't know if my my example will be good, but you know, if if you get, uh, let me rephrase that. Well, we we know a ton of people who like get married and think that this person is the love of their life and that they get they get divorced and then years later they find someone else and they get married again and they found love mm-hmm. again so i would say like if i'm a big believer in if it's not meant to be it's not meant to be so i don't know <laughs> it's a hard question right right yeah i've definitely gone like back and forth on it over the years right because on the one hand i'm like on the one hand, I am like a hopeless romantic and and very much like if it's the right person, you'll make it work and yeah. you'll come back to each other. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's while well, you just moved across the country and because of distance, it's not working right now. Or maybe it's you're fresh out of a relationship and you need six months before you're ready to commit to someone. Um yeah. So, in, but in that case, that is timing, right? Then you'll come back. But it's also yeah. like, is it fair to ask someone to like wait around for you? No, not really. But yeah. I, I definitely have very yeah. much a hopeless romantic sense of like, 
if it's the right person, maybe you'll come back. Maybe the timing right now is not good, but maybe things will work out in the future. Yeah. And maybe you also think like, I think very much like you, but as you're talking, I'm thinking also, and I'm like, maybe you think that it's the right person for you now, but like in 20 years, another person will be the right person for you because you're not at the same place in your life. So yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to talk about some of the backstory about this song. Um, Joel, there was a biography on the Sony Music Australia website. Um, And, you know, they're talking about how the ups and downs of relationships kind of propel a lot of the songs. And they said that, you know, the tender melodic ballad, Where Would We Be Now?, uh, find Joel putting his feelings out there for public scrutiny. And he says, I'm sure people are going to say these songs are about this or that. Love is a big part of me, and I, I've accepted that, and it's in my music. And I've not, I'm not afraid to just show it. And that's the thing. When you're, when you're a musician, your feelings are kind of on display. Like, they're just out there sure, in the and world. Like, yeah. Yeah, and the more you listen to, the more the people are gonna like listen to it and interpret it in the ways that they want. And obviously, like in Joel's case, he had a very famous girlfriend, so of course, it's just like it just gets even more like right. out there. I cannot. I, I I've like kind of joked about this in like group chats with friends that like. Definitely when I was younger, all I wanted to do was grow up and marry a rock star, right? But as I've gotten older and as I've, like, interviewed bands and stuff, I'm like, oh, no. my God. If I marry a rock star, then they're going to write songs about me. <laughs> and I don't know if I want that. If I can deal with this, no, absolutely right. not. You're right. Although, I don't know. I don't know. It would be kind of cool to, like, have someone write a song about you because that's, like, so romantic. Yeah, sure. So, but I would I would deal with it. Of, I would deal with it, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot to deal with, but we can, we could do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> another important thing to talk about in terms of the backstory of this song is the piano part composed yeah. and orchestrated by the one and only Billy Martin. So mm. he he talked a little bit about the piano part to the Georgia Strait. So he, in this article, they said that he wrote it under the influence of Muse, a really piano-heavy band that he loves. Um, and that with, like, the changes, he did worry about, like, a diminishing audience, which I think is a fair worry because this album was definitely a departure from Chronicles of Life and Death. And the album itself was like sure. so many different things musically. Um, as much yeah. as this is like the dance album, like it's not just straight dance tracks, right? Um, no. And then there's a little more backstory about the piano in Adelaide now. Um, Billy's just talking about how they had all these different songs to pick from and that I kind of hope that our newest record is always the best record great attitude to have um 
And he said, it's the first song they've ever had written on piano. I had actually just moved into a new house and it had space for a piano. So I got my first piano and I sat down and I was like, I'm going to write a song. And that was the first thing I wrote when I got the piano. Um, I have a guest house in the backyard where I have a studio set up and I recorded just the music, no words, and I played it for Benji and he loved it. (laughs) So there you go. Definitely Billy was the uh, piano. Um, But I definitely like that. Like he he loves, he plays the keyboard. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) No, I was going to say, but like we were kind of talking before, um, it does seem like the twins kind of had their the hold on the lyrics of this. Um, yeah. But even like we were at first, we were like, oh yeah, like I, Benji totally wrote this. And then there's like that bio where we're like, <laughs> oh, well maybe Joel. So I don't know. Maybe it's like, maybe they both had similar stories they were sharing. Yeah. Like we said, it's just like something that everybody can relate to it. So I, I just think they, they probably all like chimed in, chimed in, chimed in. Yeah. <laughs> was it, yeah. What is it in English? Yeah. yeah chimed and in. And they just chimed in and they just like put all their parts together and just, because I don't think of Billy as a, like probably Billy had the idea, but of, of yeah, he wanted to say, but maybe like the twins actually wrote it. Um, but it's nice to know, like when it's not a, because we're so used to like all the songs being written by Benji or Joel. So it's nice to know when it's not. So nice to know that yeah. it's not Billy. I one thing I did note from there is that he says it's the first song they've had written on piano, and of course there was the truth on piano, yeah. but maybe that track wasn't written on piano. Maybe that's what he's saying. Yeah, that that's uh, that was something that surprised me when you shared that info with me because I also immediately thought of the truth, and it's like when I think of a piano track, I think more of the truth than where we would be now. But like you said, maybe they just maybe it started with the guitar or something, and then they transposed it on piano. Or but yeah. or maybe Billy forgot about that song during this interview. I mean, who knows. <laughs> Equally possible, right? Maybe. They have so many songs. Maybe you forget. Right. Um, so, Vanessa, do you have any memories or stories that you want to share about where would we be now? Um, I don't have a specific story or memory related to that song. I just, uh, like I said, it's just a song that I just, every time I listen to it, I have this feel like these memories in my head of, specific relationships in my life where that song applies Um, because you know whether it was in high school or in college you know two people who are not at the same place at the same time and I being one of those two people yeah (laughs) and just so it's nothing specific or anything but just like I said like I was single this boy was single too but it just didn't work out or something like that so Nothing specific, just like a, a, a love story that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I totally get that. Totally yeah. get that. <laughs> Especially when you're young, that can just feel so intense. Yeah, absolutely. And this song, uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, I was in high school when it came out. So obviously just like 
I was like, this is what I'm feeling. And I, I just thought it was very dramatic, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is very dramatic when you're in high school. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one memory, I, I guess, that I have about this song is uh, trying to teach myself how to play it on piano. Um, oh, I took. Wow. I took piano lessons when I was like six or like seven or eight years old. Um, I didn't like stick with it, but you know, I could read sheet music. Um, I haven't sat in front of a piano in a few years, but yeah, there was definitely like this song and then untitled by simple plan. I like found the piano music online. Um, I don't think I, Untitled by Simple Plan, I did learn how to play the whole song. This, I don't think I ever got past, okay. like, the intro. I I just, like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, I just, like, I know that Untitled, I got the whole song, and I, would, I was pretty good at that. Um, I just, okay. I'm vaguely remembering that I, like, wanted to get the whole song of this, but I just never got it down. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So when you said earlier, yeah. don't you don't have musical talent? You you do. Like I don't play the uh, piano. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, saying that I play the piano is kind of a stretch. Um, I did pick up my guitar for the first time in a couple of years, like last weekend, which felt very very oh, that's good. Nice. Yeah, I oh, I cool. have my amp at my new apartment. I didn't even have my amp at my last apartment. It was like at my parents' house. Um. But I have my amp now, so okay. yeah, I'll probably annoy my neighbors over the next few months as I get back into playing guitar. <laughs> I hope you like We're hearing some home, like, like you know bizarre could Charlotte <laughs> guitar parts, like the one singular guitar line. <laughs> um, like it's gonna be the whole the same part over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> while you're trying yeah. to learn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I love talking, Vanessa. I love talking about other good Charlotte songs the track relates to, like how it kind of fits in their discography. Um, obviously, we mentioned The Truth as another piano track. But in terms of other stuff that kind of relates to like distance or like the right person, wrong time kind of thing – Here's what came to mind for me, and I'm curious what you think. The first one is Say Anything, just kind of the idea of, like, that distance coming between you. Um, And then Seasons, which is a very different song, but it's also, like, kind of a sentimental love song, but it's also bittersweet, and it's, like... Like, like seasons to me is where would we be if we hadn't just met each other and had a summer fling and we had, like, met each other and had, like, a real relationship? Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that seasons could be, like, like the the prequel to (laughs) where would we be now? (laughs) Definitely. uh, I, I, I really do feel like, Say anything is also a really good, uh, a really good choice. But I think seasons really has that kind of. What if, what if that person stayed in town, or what if you know it has that same, that same kind of exactly backstory, yeah. But say anything also has that kind of 
distance, as you say, like being at the other end of the phone. So uh, yeah, those are two two great options, actually. Yeah. Well, in terms of alternate versions, um, <laughs> there's two that I found, which is a remix on Greatest Remixes by Troublemaker. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any thoughts on the remix? Uh, this one in particular, I haven't listened in a while because uh, I always listen to the same songs on that album. Right, I, right. I don't like them. I, I would say I don't like them all. <laughs> so, so I always listen to the, the same one. This one doesn't really particularly pop in my mind, but I think because it's because I'm not that much of big electronic fan. Like I sure. don't I don't say anything bad about it, but it's just not my cup of tea. But I think that most of the artists on that album did a pretty good job at like capturing the vibe of the song and putting it into a more electronic way. Yeah. And it's funny because as <clears throat> sorry, as you said earlier, this is one of the few songs on the original, like on Good Morning Revival, that has not like an electronic sound to it. So the fact that they would remix it, like <laughs> it's finally. I think, I think that was it was kind of a good choice. I think for that reason. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. 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 I have warmed up to greatest remixes over the years. Same. When it yeah. first came out, I did not like it. Um. And for many years, I was like, absolutely not. Not going to listen to that. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like this, the remix, it just changes the vibe of the song a lot. Yeah. But the other alt version is that they did it in Simlish, apparently. Okay, when you sent me the <laughs> YouTube link, I was so excited. And when I clicked, the video wasn't available. Oh, well. I was devastated. <laughs> I'll see if I it. can I'll see if I can find it find it elsewhere and send it to you. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so somebody did that or it wasn't in, in the game? I guess it was in the game. That's I, I don't I don't really know how the Sims music works. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. Well, before we do, because we do have some reviews we're going to read, um, and a yeah. lot of the reviews say the same thing, which we're going to talk about. But before we do that, I found this Medium post, um, which I feel like I've referenced on the show before, although I can't remember when. Um, the author is, I, I don't know if you're listening, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right, I hope I am, Gora Shakar. And the post is titled Good Charlotte Revival, The Chronicles of a Young and Hopeless Love Affair. Uh, and this person is just recounting all the times that, you know, Good Charlotte was kind of there for them over the years. And they say, a long distance relationship tires me out. I sob into the quiet of the nights. Where would we be now? I think about how my boyfriend doesn't have any tattoos or piercings. <laughs> Wonder if my 11 year old self <laughs> would be disappointed or relieved. <laughs> Relatable. Though. I did that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I I'll, I should definitely link this because it's a very sweet um, 
post. It's it's long, but it's it's I feel like it's something that, you know, the people who listen to this podcast will appreciate. Sure. Um so we're going to read a couple of reviews and then I have a discussion question. Um Sputnik Music gave it a 2 out of 5. They said Coldplay get it double with the Don't Panic aping Beautiful World. I think they mean Beautiful Place. And Where Would We Be Now, which borrows the piano part from Clocks. Pop Matters said, too often, though, we get dragged down into the depressing Morris of Good Charlotte's faux profundity. Where Would We Be Now shamelessly rips off Coldplay's piano-driven balladry. Music OMH said, it stalls in parts, such as on the sappy Coldplay ask, where would we be now? But on the whole, the record treads a steady line between up-tempo rockers and effective ballads. And it works. So, there's a lot of Coldplay comparisons here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Billy, Billy specified that it was, his inspiration was Muse. Um, I don't know, Muse, what do yeah. you think? Do, do you find the Coldplay comparisons to be valid? I am not the biggest Coldplay fan. Nothing against them. It's just I don't listen to them that often, you know, so I, I know the some of the big songs. I know that Clucks is one of them. But I, I know that I know the song, but I couldn't tell you the melody. But if it played, I would be like, oh, yeah, I know this one. But I... I Maybe because I don't know Coldplay's discography that much, but I wouldn't be able to really tell that there's a resemblance or an influence or uh, no. I would say no, but then then again, I'm not the biggest connoisseur of Coldplay's music, so yeah, uh, yeah. I should have gone back and like listened to Clocks by Coldplay, Clocks, but yeah. <laughs> I will be honest, at first I was definitely like, why is everyone making Coldplay comparisons? Yeah. And then I did think about it, it's like it's in the chorus, it's that like descending, like a couple descending sort of repetitive notes. Um that is definitely reminiscent of Clocks by Coldplay, intentional or not. Um and it doesn't mean that Coldplay may have also been an influence that he just didn't mention, you know? Yeah. Because I would guess, I, I would I would guess and I would hope <laughs> that, you know, when when people draw draw comparisons like that, that the artists like I would guess it's not in, it's not intentional. Yeah. I like we listen to so much music and I guess that's the same for them that sometimes you you don't even know like that this song is influencing you in, yes, in the back exactly. of your mind or if anything so I would I would guess that while they were writing it whether it was Billy Benji or Joel that they didn't think about ripping off Coldplay they just it was in the back of their minds and they just didn't know yeah yeah I mean it that was a ma- Coldplay Clocks was a massive song like yeah. So it, I feel like it's one of those that, like, you you know that song whether you're consciously referring to it or not. Exactly, and I would I would say though that it does sound to me a bit more like Coldplay than Muse, 
Yeah. But like I'm not in Billy's mind. So if <laughs> if you thought he was referencing to Muse, then that 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 must be it. But when I listen to it, if I had to choose between those two bands, I, it has more of a Coldplay vibe to it than Muse. Right. But to compare and say that they ripped it off or that it really sounds exactly the same or that you can sound hear the influence of it, I I, I would say no. But then again. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I do want to read a couple other reviews before we talk mm-hmm. about some fan response. Yeah. So Drowned in Sound gave the album 5 out of 10, and they said, The facade crumbles for good as the pop veneer cracks. Where Would We Be Now is an arduous four-minute trial of tedium. Arduous. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. People okay. were hard on this album. Yeah. They really were. And, I, like, I don't want to say I blame them because, yeah. like, I get it. This album's kind of weird. Um, Well, when it came out, I, I – well, I wouldn't say – I didn't have the same harsh words that, <laughs> like some of them critics. But it really was, like, yeah, it took you by surprise when it came out. But it, it's one of those albums, I think, that – well, you know, I'm a longtime fan, so I – Pretty much everything they put out, I liked. <laughs> but it's one of those albums that you just have to listen to it more to just like it. You can, it kind of grows into you. Yeah. But yeah, people were harsh. People <laughs> were very harsh. <laughs> <laughs> um, last review that we'll rate is from a user named a user December on Rate Your Music. They gave the album two out of five stars and said. The main problem isn't that it's particularly painful to listen to, but that it is almost completely unremarkable. Musically, it is just standard pop punk, with a few tracks being relatively successful and others failing miserably. Where would we be now? Beautiful place. So this person did not like the kind of slower, dramatic songs. Yeah. And I I would... I would get that, but at the same time, you know, I I don't know if it's in one of your podcasts or if it's an interview that I read or whatever, or someone on Twitter who said that. <laughs> I don't want to appropriate the words, but someone said like it's um like they were really ahead of their time with this album. Yeah, like a lot of albums that came out after, like in the years after that, you you can definitely hear like the same kind of electro but at the same time mellow rock uh, so yeah so people gave it a lot of ish <laughs> yeah <laughs> when it came out but after everything kind of sounded like that or a lot of things sounded like that after yeah well we have some fan comments to read from song meanings but mm-hmm. I did want to mention that if you go on YouTube, um, and I'll definitely have to include like the quote unquote original version of this song, because that's not what's like on the official uploads on streaming services. Um, but the comments on that like original version on YouTube, all of the comments, like I scrolled and almost all the comments are like, why did they change the lyrics? I like this one better. Why did they yeah. change it? Anyone know why they change it? I even, I don't know if you use Reddit, but I even saw today, it, which just such a funny coincidence. There's a good Charlotte subreddit. And today, someone posted 
why did they change the lyrics of where would we be now? And I was wow. like, what? <laughs> I, I, I was like, very weird. <laughs> I was like, what, what timing that someone's asking this? Why about your computer? Right, right. I, well, I was like, I yeah, wonder somebody- if that's Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at, at the same time, it, at the same time, it just goes to show that, like, it's it's still a question that's burning everybody, like everybody's lips. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, let's read some of these song meetings comments. Um, Mark B said. <laughs> Poor, poor Mark. My current situation rolls out in song yet again. Um, XX Midnight Highway XX said, this is the sweetest song GC ever made. <laughs> it's a very sweet song indeed. <laughs> this is a great username. Romance Girl 802 says, There's definitely a bit of my chemical romance behind that. <laughs> All right. Aw, I relate this song to me and a special friend. I hope he sees this. Even though he still won't go out with me, maybe he'll see how much I really care from, for him. I don't know. Um, I wonder, I hope that I worked hope out for them. for romance girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bored Dude says that, yeah, the piano part in this chorus does sound like clocks, but don't really care if they're ripping them off this song still rocks uh okay oleander said it's one of my favorites from the new cd so far billy should help out with the songwriting more agreed yeah (laughs) one step behind 29 said is it just me or should we feel ripped off from all the lovey-dovey gushy mushy love songs gmr has I'm not saying they aren't good, but the theme kind of sucks. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's a very specific and I don't want to say I've never related to that because I totally have. But I feel like that's like a yeah. very specific person who is just like feeling pretty jaded and cynical. And they're like, I really just don't want to hear any fucking love songs right now. Just give me songs about that's anything it. else. Which is fair. I get it. Yeah, Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> if, you, if you're not at that place in your life and, or you can relate or sometimes you just, like you said, you just want to, don't want to hear love songs like at all, like yeah. anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vanessa, as we wrap up, I would love to know how has this song held up for you over time? I think it's it still sounds great. Like I said, it just... I still listen to it on a <clears throat> sorry on a on a regular basis. Uh, when I when I go to that record, it's one of the first songs I, I go to. Um, I just think it really does sound still good. Like it's just like a power ballad or something like that. That just it always sounds good. Like if it's not like it's not. With, with the electro parts or anything so it just like it, you can't you can listen to it all the time it, it doesn't yeah. go really with a, like a specific um s- certain type of sound that was popular so it just yeah. it just stands out and stand the test of time <laughs> definitely i am totally with you there um 
Well, what has Good Charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed? Um, wow. Uh, well, I would say that they have meant, like probably a lot of people would say on that podcast, they meant everything, if not, yeah. maybe not everything, but it's just... It's funny to me, and nothing against those people. I mean, like, I totally get it also. But, like, it's funny to me when people can change favorite bands, like, throughout their, their life. Like, it's not your favorite if you change. <laughs> How do you have a new favorite band every six months? I don't get it. Like, but but at the same time, you know, after this album came out and uh, cardiology and everything, I kind they were still my favorite band, but there were so many things at the same time. And I just um, was starting to listen to a lot of heavier stuff and everything. So I kind of like, I never, I would still say that they were my favorite back then, but I just started to listen to a lot of other stuff, but I would just always go back to them. So it's, for me, it was never a matter of, oh yeah, they were my favorite band in high school. A lot of, they're, they're still my right. favorite band and they will be like until <laughs> I'm 80 yeah. wrinkly. Um, and has that relationship, if we can say like that, changed? Like, like I said, there were a few years where they were still my favorite, but I just wasn't listening to them like on that as, as regularly as I was before. But they were still like the band that I would go to or when I was feeling like sad angry happy or anything yeah it was always like my my shelter if i can say it like that or my my home really so yeah yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense and i i am totally with you in the like i don't really get how people have a new favorite band every <laughs> six months or even every couple of years because we're coming yeah. up on 18 years here which is a lot of years yeah um but I mean, we we could like talk about just the psychological thing of like you know why your favorite band is your favorite band and how that can impact whether they're like your favorite for life or your favorite for the next six months. Um, yeah, and I I totally get it because at the same time, I, there's one of my friends um, we met in high school actually because we both like it was like. A little bit of backstory but i went to a a private school and okay. so we had like the uniform but on our skirts we could put like a little pin or something and i uh. had a green day, i had a green day pin and so on the first day of school this girl was like oh green day cool what, what other bands do you listen to and i was like oh good charlotte and the the it was actually the first show i went to like in 2005 nose to the world and it was like a month or so before like school started so she was like oh were you at that show like a month ago yeah blah 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 and so we kind of bonded on their love of good Charlotte. amazing <laughs> and she was like oh it's my favorite band too blah blah but now she's still one of my best friends but she, like she listens to edm and hip-hop and everything and i'm like weren't they your favorite band like when they came in 2000 when they came to montreal in 2018 <laughs> she, she didn't even wanted to go she was like uh I don't know. No, but like favorite, <laughs> wasn't that your favorite band? But like you said, like for some people, favorite is just, and I don't want to, I don't want to talk for her, but maybe I had like a quote unquote deeper connection. Maybe she just liked the music. Like she just thought it sounded good. 
and then she found another thing yeah. but for me like that connection was so and that's deep. also valid yeah absolutely and so she she found something else after but like for me it's so so deeply connected to like everything that i am if i can say like that that i i could never see myself having another favorite band no that's very that's very emo of me (laughs) yeah no i get it though trust me i get it (laughs) if anyone gets it i get it yeah Um, that's the place where i can say that Yes, exactly. Do you have any (laughs) last words about where would we be now about Good Charlotte or about yourself? Oh, wow. Um, Well, I just, well, everybody who listens to that podcast, I think it's because they have some sort of love of Good Charlotte, especially if they're that deep with how many episodes you did. (laughs) But I I just think. (laughs) Yeah, right. If if uh, if people still hadn't heard that song, haven't heard that song, I just think it's it's one song that like you can relate to, and it just it's bittersweet, but it still feels good in some way because of the the melody of it, and it just yeah. I just think it's a great song, and as for Good Charlotte, I just they just constantly like we we talked about a bit about like the whole album, like Good Morning Revival. It was such a surprise when it came out, but like they don't have one album that sounds like the other one. So as much as when I was younger, I was like, eh, yeah. what is that? Now looking back, I I applaud that. And I'm like, that that's very something that's artistically risky, but at the same time, like if it's what they wanted to do at that moment, well, good for them. And they, they stuck by it and everything. So sure. I just think as much as people love to say, like Good Charlotte is one of those, bands that you liked in high school and people don't know what they did after like <laughs> lifestyles right um i just think you know really not objectively obviously because they're my favorite but i just think that they release such good music and every album has a different vibe and the music is good the lyrics are good the guys are great i mean <laughs> what's not to love <laughs> yeah Amazing. Well, thank you, Vanessa. The last thank uh, you, real Molly. question I have for you. So, yeah, this was so much fun. You're welcome. Um, so, the last real question I have for you is that I have the Generation GC and Friends Spotify playlist. So, oh. I'm going to put Where Would We Be Now on the playlist. And then I would love from you just a recommendation, just anything you've been enjoying lately that's not Good Charlotte. Okay. Does it have to be pop punk? Nope. Nope. Anything, any genre. We got a whole lot of stuff represented. Oh, okay. I'll put uh, a Montreal artist that sings in French. Sure. <laughs> yeah. What? So what? Yeah. What is it? Uh, well, the one that popped in my mind is uh, her name. Was now that I think about it, it's really funny. Her her first name is Charlotte. <laughs> Amazing. Her name is Charlotte Cardin. And she's just like she has the voice of an angel. She just sings very, very well, and uh, she's really one of our biggest growing stars, if I can say it like that, uh, in Montreal. She uh, she has songs in French, but she does have a lot of songs in English also. And she was uh, she was on the Voice Quebec version, 
and she's just very 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 talented she cool. plays the piano the guitar and everything so uh, she has an album coming out if i'm not mistaken in april so i'll put one of her she has like two singles from that album that just came out uh, i'll put one of those uh, one of those songs she's very perfect thank you so much Vanessa, this has been absolutely wonderful. I've had so much fun. Um, If you're comfortable sharing, where can people keep up with you on the internet? Uh, Yeah, sure. Well, my uh, my Instagram, uh, I have an Instagram. I have a Twitter account. My Twitter is mainly uh, in French, obviously. (laughs) Uh, I do write a bit in English in it, but both um, my name on both is v-a-n so van for vanessa uh is it underscore when there's a line at, yeah. at the bottom? yeah underscore <laughs> and uh, my last name which is h-e-b-e-r-t and um well not now because there are not a lot of concerts obviously <laughs> but on my instagram i usually post like uh when i go to concerts i go to a lot of concerts and on uh, twitter i just blab about my favorite bands and stuff like that so that would be that Amazing. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Last week, we talked about The World is Black from the Chronicles of Life and Death. Next week, we'll be talking about a song from Cardiology. My name is Molly Huddleston. I've been your host. You can follow Generation GC at Generation GC Pod, P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can also follow me, Molly, at M Huddleson, M-H-U-D-E-L-S-O-N, on Twitter and Instagram. Please make sure to subscribe to Generation GC on your preferred podcast platform, subscribe or follow. And if you're on Apple, if you use Apple Podcasts, please rate and leave us a review. And just most importantly, y'all, Tell your friends, spread the word about Generation GC. Thanks for tuning in.